Thomas Merton was not your ordinary monk. His parents were both artists, his mother from the United States, his father a New Zealander, who met while studying painting in Paris. When Thomas was only six, his mother died of cancer. Within the year, Thomas' father fell in love with a married novelist who treated young Thomas unkindly. When he turned 11, he was sent to boarding school where he was desperately unhappy. Two weeks before his 16th birthday, Thomas's father died of a brain tumor. Entering Cambridge University at the age of 18, Thomas spent more time in the pubs than on his studies, sleeping around until he fathered a child out of wedlock. After transferring to Columbia University, Thomas devoted himself to his studies and proved a brilliant student. Meanwhile, he found himself increasingly drawn to Catholicism. At the age of 25, he entered the Abbey of Gethsemane, a Trappist monastery in Kentucky, where he spent the next 27 years. Through his writing, Merton remained powerfully connected to the world. His autobiography, The Seven-Story Mountain, became a surprise bestseller, translated into over a dozen languages. Merton also wrote poetry and essays about civil rights, nonviolence, and the nuclear arms race. Toward the end of his life, he became a pioneer in dialogue between Christianity and Buddhism. So Thomas Merton was no armchair philosopher or pious priest. He drank deeply of life, its delights, and its sorrows. Why do we spend our lives striving to be something we would never want to be, he demanded, if we only knew what we wanted? Why do we waste our time doing things which, if we only stop to think about them, are the opposite of what we were made for? When young novices arrived at the Abbey of Gethsemane, Merton would ask them two questions. What do you want out of life? And what's stopping you from getting it? These are breathtaking questions for anyone, but especially for young men seriously considering a life of Catholic monasticism. Merton might have asked, how can you get closer to God? Or how do you pray? Or if you become a monk, how will you resist the temptation to break your vow of celibacy? But Merton made no assumptions about the vocation of these young men. Discovering vocation, Merton insisted, does not mean scrambling towards some prize just beyond my reach, but accepting the treasure of true self I already possess. Vocation does not come from a voice out there calling me to be something I am not. It comes from a voice in here calling me to be the person I was born to be. Merton's questions are powerful tools for discernment, whatever our stage of life. So I invite you to take a few minutes right now to reflect upon them 
In your order of worship this morning, you should find a three by five card. And if you, if you don't, you can raise your hand and an usher will bring you one or a pencil or pen if you need something to write with. And of course, this is just for you. We're not gonna collect these cards. And once we're ready, I'll repeat each question in turn. There are two questions, and as it happens, there are two sides of each 3x5 card, so you might wish to use this ingenious design to its full advantage. I'll invite the bell after each question. So the first question is, what do you want out of life? And the second question is, What's stopping you from getting it? So what's stopping you? Maybe nothing. Maybe everything. Maybe something within yourself. Maybe something outside you that you can change. Maybe something completely beyond your control. Now we are in the realm of Reinhold Niebuhr's famous serenity prayer, usually rendered as God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. There is so much that needs changing in this world, and we are called to change it. But sometimes we overlook what needs changing in our own hearts. Mahatma Gandhi undergirded his political strategy and personal courage with deep spiritual contemplation. He used to say, I have only three enemies. My favorite enemy, the one most easily influenced for the better, is the British Empire. My second enemy, the Indian people, are far more difficult. But my most formidable opponent, is a man named Mohandas K. Gandhi. With him, I seem to have very, very little influence. (laughs) Bringing influence to bear upon ourselves is the work of a lifetime. It is never too early and never too late to begin. Amen.
Ashe, and blessed be.